Hi, and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett, and this is The Soul of Business. And I want to talk a little bit here before I jump into uh, introducing our guest this week. Um, there's a very interesting notion when I start talking about the soul of business and actually compassionate capitalism in, in a larger context. Um, what is it that drives your business? You know, that's what the soul of business is about. What is it that actually, you know, was the spark that... Uh, spawned the organization to begin with. And over the course of an organization's life cycle, we start to lose connection with what that was. And that's a pernicious place to be. It's a dangerous place to be for an entrepreneur. And that's why I'm delighted uh, to have uh, as my guest today, Jeff Chastain. Uh, yeah, he, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Jeff here. Yeah, he founded his company, Admentus, uh, back about 15 years ago. So he's an entrepreneur and he has been through the ups and the downs of what that means. And more specifically for the purpose of our conversation today, he has kind of landed on some keys to keeping that spark alive, to, to reconnecting and rekindling the soul of the business so that from an employee engagement perspective, you've got people that are emotionally engaged in what you're doing because it starts with you as an entrepreneur, you as a leader being emotionally engaged with what you're doing with the business. So as, again, as the business starts to, to kind of move through its life cycle and it starts running into some of the stuff that's going on with COVID right now, uh, where the wind can go out of our sails pretty quickly if we're not paying attention, how do we reconnect? And then in that reconnection, how do we reinvent ourselves? Um, so Jeff Chastain, I wanna thank you for taking the time to join me and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And yeah, with an intro like that, you pretty much just sold everything I needed to right there. So we're good. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, in your bio, you talk about being a creator and a problem solver. Um, and, you know, this is partly where I want to go to with this, a professional e uh, EOS implementer. And for those of you that don't know what EOS uh, is about, it's an entrepreneur's operating system. And it's actually a programmatic approach to kind of keeping things moving forward from an entrepreneurial perspective. Um, now, you started your business, Admentus, back you know, long, roughly about 15 years or so ago. And I'm assuming uh, we haven't had a deep conversation about this, but I mentioned the, you know, the ups and the downs, the, the business cycle piece. You have lived through that. If you've got a 15-year-old business, you have been up and you have been down. And well, it's not only, up. yeah, I've definitely done that. I've actually launched two additional businesses in addition to that. Okay. And both of them yeah. had more on the downside of it after there were several years. So it was, I've definitely gone through the most of that entrepreneurial life cycle. And it's, it's definitely got its ups and downs there to it for sure. Well, you know, I know that creators don't believe in the impossible. I mean, that's just the nature of, of, of being a creator. You know, if, so, if somebody, I know for me, if somebody tells me that's impossible, I'm going, well, you know, that's, you know, there's got to be a way to do this. The obstacle is the way. Yeah. Um, if, if there's something in the way here, what, what's that going to tell me about how I need to actually address this so that I can get where I want to go? You've got you know, a number of different things that you kind of pay attention to in the work that you do. Um, one of them, and I'm kind of interested in this, um, there's, there's actually two questions that I have here for you. Uh, one is the one that I ask everybody. Uh, when you hear uh, the soul of business, you know, what does that actually bring up for you? Because for a lot of folks, when they hear soul and business you know, in the same sentence, it's almost 
uh, oil and water. Um, yeah. You know, where does the soul fit and why? You know, so when you hear the soul of business, what does that evoke? Well, to me, it really goes back to what you were started talking about with. That's kind of what I was hitting to is it's, it's really that founder. When you go start a business, you've got a, a passion, an idea that, hey, we're going to bring a better service. We're going to bring a better product. We're going to bring something new to our customer base here. So it's that drive, that energy for, okay, what are we bringing to this? And just like you were talking about, as you kind of go through that business life cycle, especially, um, I'm trying to remember what the other, the, there, was, there was another business model, another business story I was hearing about that describes it almost like as a whitewater kind of phase that, okay, everything's just rough, everything's tumultuous. You, and you start mm-hmm. losing that, that vision, that focus right there as to, okay, who are we really? And to me, that's, that's the core piece of any business that, um, I'm trying to remember where I heard the adage, but if you, if you look at like the, the amount of energy that's generated by the sun, we go sit outside, worst case, we get a sunburn kind of a thing. But if you take a laser that's just a few kilowatts of energy, narrow that focus right down, you can sit there and cut through stone, glass, diamonds, et cetera. And it's that focus that we tend to lose even in some respects kind of early on in the business because I was, I was talking to somebody earlier that was a, a fractional CFO type business. Well, somebody comes to them and says, well, can you also do bookkeeping? Can you also do my accounting over here? And all of a sudden we start losing that focus because now we're starting to branch off in all these other areas that because we need the money, especially in startup days, early days, we're going to grab anything that anybody's willing to pay us for. We start trying to grab onto everything. And all of a sudden we're a mile wide here instead of this super night focus. And it leads especially to the team sitting there saying, wait a minute, I thought we were doing X. And now you're saying we're doing Y with this client. We're doing Z over here. What are, what are we doing? Where are we going? And it's, it just, we end up adrift all over the place there by, by not, following that vision, not following that, that real idea. And like I said, I, I, I get it being through multiple businesses myself. It's, it's when you're trying to chase the dollar up front, you got you kind of do what you have to, but at the same time, you always got to keep that focus, that singular focus to me in mind is okay. We've got to have one path. What, what are we really going to be yeah. known for? What are we, what, who are we as a business? And to me, that's where the, the concept of the soul comes into play. Good. I, mean, I love that. And I'm going to, you know, I, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up a whitewater uh, metaphor because, you know, I've done a fair amount of whitewater rapid uh, running uh, uh, literally around the world. I've, I've been on, you know, treks uh, through Russia and uh, South America. I mean, I mean yeah, everywhere. Uh, and one of the things that I know about whitewater is, I mean, it can really get tumultuous. And if you're not paying attention, you can get in the back, you know, back end you can turn the whole, the whole enterprise upside down. And there is a seam to the current that if you can follow that seam and in the midst of all that confusion, you will come out on the other side, but you've got to keep your focus on where is that seam in the current. And that's analogous to me to the soul of the business. I've got to deal with the stuff that comes up. There's no question about that. But if I, if I lose, if I take my eye off the ball, I'm in, I'm in serious trouble here. And one, and I'm going to continue the metaphor here. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, I've been in a couple of raft uh, expeditions where I've had you know, some of the crew kind of going sideways. They picked me on. The, yeah, I, I had my eye on the ball. I knew where it was, but I need them to paddle too. Uh-huh. I need them paying attention. So this kind of gets to the, you know, the question of when you're in the midst of all kinds of stuff, how do you keep your entire organization on the same page? Well, from 
my perspective or from my a process standpoint, really from an EOS perspective, what we do from a planning perspective, we actually start out at, at a, a 10 year or a long-term vision to say, okay, where do you wanna be in 10 years with your business? And that's, that's just a, a big picture, something way out there. But then we'll step that back in to say, okay, draw me, okay, a picture of what we need to be in three years now to reach that 10 year target, bring it back in. Okay, now concrete, what do we actually need to do this year? And one step further, okay, now what do we need to do? Actual real goals, real projects in the next 90 days so that everybody in the company knows exactly, okay, we if, if we don't get anything else done, we need to get these seven projects done in the next 90 days in order to be one step closer to our goal. And I look at it as, as if you were cutting a, a forest or cutting a, a road through a forest, you can't just blindly start, keep cutting forever. You've got to have this, this cadence where, okay, we're going to cut for a little while. Then we got to come up for air. Look, okay, are we still on track? Are we still going the right mm -hmm. direction? Okay, now we'll go back in the business. We're going to go work for another 90 days, get the next uh, mile cut here kind of a thing and just keep checking our progress, which easier these days with GPS than having to climb the tree and look, but still it's, it's, it's the same idea. You've got to really, your, your, your vision, your idea, the soul here, to me, I look at that as the, the adage of how do you eat an elephant? It's, you, that's the elephant out there. That's, that's our big goal that we're trying to do, but you've got to exactly. bring that back in and say, okay, one bit at a time, what are we going to focus on just the next quarter, just this 90 days and have everybody in the company on board with that and that way you're actually getting traction because they know exactly what they're supposed to be working on and they see the bigger, longer term picture to say, okay, what I'm working on today actually matters. It actually is part of the overall global plan, not right. just a nine to five punch in the clock kind of thing here. No, there's a, a, a notion that I've played with for years. And I, 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 you know, when I was doing work with Nokia back in the uh, late 90s, early you know, mid 90s to late 90s, one of the conversations we always well, we actually had a, you know, two two major conversations. Every you know, and I worked with them for twelve years. I led a major chunk of their leadership development globally uh, for about that twelve year period, and we would always talk about the core values of the organization, and then anything that we were uh, attempting to do, it was always uh, wrapped within the framework of for the sake of what. Yep. And you know, and we would keep that question for the sake of what alive. You know, keep it in front of so. Anybody that was doing work on any of the teams, whether it was in the research labs or out in the field, uh, for the sake of what? And that kind of keeps the, eye on, you know, the, the eyeballs on the seam of the current, so mm -hmm. to speak, if you've defined that well, if you've defined the, the, you know, the for the sake of what well. You know, you've got uh, six components to a successful business that I, uh, and I'm, I'm intrigued by. I want to kind of hear how you describe as an entrepreneur, what do I need to be paying attention to? We've kind of been generally speaking about that here a little bit, but this starts to get a little bit more granular. You know, what are the six keys, the six things that I as an entrepreneur need to be paying attention to, particularly when everything around me is going to hell in a handbasket? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's really, whenever I'm working with a company, there's, everybody's got a million different issues kind of a thing they're, they're dealing with from, that, from a business standpoint. But what we found is that really those tend to all be symptoms of, six core key areas that if you can get those six core key areas strengthened, then everything else just kind of takes care of itself. But the, the first major one is really what we've already been talking about is defining simply out your vision. It's okay, what is the vision of the company? Who are we, who are we as a company? Where are we going as a company? Who are we trying to reach? Basically, how are we trying to get there in terms of our market? What's our key differentiator? But really defining 
the vision for our company and then making sure that one, that really everybody's bought in on that. So it, it's really, again, just pushing that down throughout the organization. It's not just some mission statement that's on the website. It's, it's, this is my core key understanding of where we're headed for the next 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is as a business. And I, as a frontline worker, know exactly how I'm supposed to fit into that, what's going on. So the, the vision is, is really the first component and almost the most important one there. Okay, we've got to have a roadmap that we can follow first. You know, it's interesting. Um, I mean, and I'm glad that you bring vision up as the number one piece here. Every organization I've ever worked with and, you know, literally in my 40-year career, we've worked around vision as a key component of this. And, and I laugh a little bit because when I was doing work with Nokia, you know, one of the first things I asked them was, okay, what's, what's the vision for the company? And they, uh, and they've been doing some work with Mike Hammer uh, on you know, strategic initiatives and, and whatnot. And they said, well, we've got one. We got, you know, and I said, well, great. Tell me what it is. And they said, it's Vision 2000. And I kind of looked at them and went, what does that mean? And they went, exactly, exactly. And that's, and it was by design. It was, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a landing point out here. And this was Vision 2000, the year 2000. This was back in 1995, 96, I think, 95, I think it was, 94, 95. And so the invitation, and it was an invitation. This is where I'm going with this. Getting people to buy into it. So they left it purposely vague enough. They said, yeah, there's a landing point out here. We're going to land here. Vision 2000. And we've got some general parameters, and they did have some general parameters, and that was where the core values came in. Yeah. But it was yeah. like, okay, we've got enough diversity in our, in our ecosystem here that one size isn't going to fit all. You tell me how this me makes a difference to you. Where's your fit in this picture? And it was, it was a brilliant use of something that was um, yeah, almost um, universally misused. In, in, in organizations in my experience, because most, most vision uh, it became artwork to your point here, it became yeah. artwork up on the wall and it had no life in it at all. This actually, this vision 2000 actually had life. I mean, you know, people, yeah, that's, that's people one thing is, their head. yeah, you, you really gotta make sure that it's, it's not just some statement on the wall or some statement on the website that's collecting dust. It's, it's gotta be something that honestly gets all your people excited to say, okay, this yeah. is what we're trying to go do. This is what we were trying to, to go reach. And as long as that message comes out, then, then that's fine. But yeah, it's, it's gotta be something that's more than just a mission statement there. But yeah. then we'll, what we end up taking with that vision is then looking at the people side of it to say, okay, with our vision, we've got our, our, our core values here, who we are. Now we need to go turn around and apply that to our people to say, okay, do we have, it's, it's the old adage of right people, right seats on the bus kind of a thing there that, okay, do we have the right people first that actually subscribe to our core values? Because he, uh, we may have a great salesperson, but if he's off selling the wrong thing or, or making deals under the table, it doesn't matter that he's a great salesperson. He's not the right fit for our, our company kind of a thing. And then obviously making sure that the people are in the right seats in the business to say, okay, do you have the, the ability, do you have the capacity, do you have the want and the desire for your seat, for, for what you're, you're expected to do here in the company? So it's, it's really a, it helps just again, clarify more than anything, okay, even in a hiring perspective, okay, this is the seat we're hiring for, these are the five responsibilities that you've got for the seat, this is what you're coming in on day one to be productive with, because 
I, I don't know about you, I've, I've seen and been a part of many companies where it's like you hire somebody on and well, two or three months later, they're still trying to figure out who do I need to talk to or what do I need to do to really be productive here? And especially in a, a small organization, you just can't afford that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, we, so we look at, yeah, go, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, so we look yeah, at the vision then the people and then the real, the third major component of it here on kind of the, the upper half is really looking at it from a data side to say, okay, too many times, especially in the entrepreneurial world, it's, well, we think this is gonna happen or we hope this is gonna happen. We're making decisions on those kind of desires, egos, wishes, et cetera. It's like, okay, where are the real numbers? What, what, what are we doing from an actual real sales standpoint? What are we doing from a real cost standpoint? And too many entrepreneurs and, and myself included back when I, with those other two businesses, we don't know those numbers. We, we, the, the business is not based on, on real data, real numbers. It's like, okay, how do you run a business like that? And the truth is one day you're gonna wake up and bank accounts empty or whatever else kind of a thing there is like, okay, whoops, we didn't track that number. You know, that, that one's a really interesting one. And, and it seems like it's common sense. Yeah, that we would have a scorecard or a dashboard yeah. of some sort. But I cannot tell you the number of mid-sized companies that I've worked with where that data was not fingertip available. And in the ones that did have it available, they were able to pivot pretty quickly when things got a little bit dicey. Uh, it helped that, keep, keep the, you know, because part of the seam of the current is business viability. I got to have a profit. I got, yeah. I got to have something that uh, is fueling this boat as we're, as we're moving it down the, down the, the stream. So that's, that's really, uh, I think, a very interesting piece. And it's one that a, a lot of entrepreneurs miss. They go by their gut. Yeah. Okay, well, this feels like the right direction. Yeah. Well, I understand that's how you started things, but <laughs> not, not <laughs> let's back that truck up a little bit. <laughs> and it really, it, what I find in dealing with it, because I've, my personality is still very much a visionary type thing of, okay, where's, which direction is the squirrel going today? And you end up with almost the, the high levels of stress, the high levels, honestly, of macromanagement kind of a thing, because you don't understand, you can't see the business. There's no clarity in the business at that point because you don't have the numbers. So you're down sitting next to the sales guy saying, okay, have you made your 10 calls today? It's like, who cares if he's made 10 calls? Look at the numbers on the scorecard. And if it's green that he's got enough numbers this month, stay out of his way. Let him go do his job, whether it's, he, maybe he works better on LinkedIn or he works better on face-to-face -face than calls. It's like the, what we care about as business owners should be the top line higher level numbers, okay, are we gonna make sales? Not what's the actual little details of, did he pick up the phone and dial this many numbers kind of a thing, but without those numbers being visible, drives visionaries absolutely up the wall and we, we don't know how to deal with it any better. And it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's just because of our own making right there. I wanna thank you for listening. Um, I wanna also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast changing environment.
You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind Program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we got six. We got three of them here. We've got yeah. the vision. So, we've got really, the people and the, uh, the data. Yeah, to give vision, us people, and data. Once we get those three really strengthened there, that's, that's just a matter of tools and, and making sitting down, okay, we're going to do this. Just making sure we do that. Really, the organization starts to become a lot clearer at, the, or clearer at that point that, okay, it's, it's transparent. We can see what's going on. And that goes into the fourth component, which is really managing issues. Because a lot of times we'll look at businesses that, okay, if you think about how many meetings you've been in, and okay, we're still talking about the same issue week in, week out. We're not solving this thing. We're just having yet another discussion around it. And nobody ever moves to solve. So it's really a couple of core key tools and core key processes to say, one, empowering basically your entire organization to say, hey, if somebody sees an issue down the front line, hey, there's something going on with this client, they're struggling to pay their, their checks, whatever kind of a thing that we can get that on a list, actually have that elevated, empower them to say, hey, I, I can elevate this as an issue and make sure that, that people know about it. And then that we've got a a clear process, a clear path for, okay, how are we going to deal with this once and for all, put it to bed and move on kind of a thing, rather than keep this, this cadence going of inactivity of, of wasted time resources, just sitting here talking about things, debating things to death. So that's, you know, that's really key yeah. right there. Well, you know, there's an interesting uh, maxim that comes into play around that, and it has to do with the nature of responsibility slash accountability. I mean, and again, every organization I've consulted in, coached with, or worked with, uh, yeah, accountability. Yeah, how do we get people to take accountability for things? How do we get them yep. to take responsibility for things? There, yeah, and I ask those those of you that are listening right now, how did you how did you learn about responsibility when you were growing up? Well, if you're like most people, you learned about it when somebody in the household broke a lamp and mom or dad came in and said, who's responsible for this? <laughs> and so real early on, responsibility and blame get attached to each other. Yeah, so when you ask people to take responsibility in an organization, it's kind of like, are you out of your mind? Why would I open myself up to yeah, I'm not going to do that. We have to disassociate responsibility and blame. Responsibility is literally the, you know, the ability to respond to, in your case here, issues that are coming up, which goes to the other point around you know, employee engagement. People are most emotionally engaged when they feel as if they have autonomy in decision-making on those areas that affect them most directly. And in most organizations, that autonomy is not given, which is why we'll run it up the flagpole. Well, let's wait until you know, mom or dad get back and we'll have a meeting about it. Yeah. You know, rather than taking action, you know, at the point of appearance. So that, you know, th this is a powerful one. I like that one. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the kids because I always look at it because in a lot of ways, business is no different than family with kids kind of a thing. You've got to have the parents singular agreement. You've got to have all the kids in line. But I look at it and say, okay, you got a family of six kids. Okay, one of the jobs is to go take out the trash. What's the chance that the trash is ever going to get taken out? You've got to say, okay, Johnny, it's your job 
to go take out the trash because otherwise everybody's going to say, well, he did, he was supposed to do it. She was supposed to do it, et cetera. Never gets done. And that's really where we get down to, okay, clear roles, clear responsibilities, clear uh, accountability right there. It is Johnny's job to make sure the trash gets out on Thursday morning before the trash truck gets here. So if it's not done, Johnny, what's going on kind of a thing here. So it's really getting that clarity, that kind of, uh, accountability going on in the business and to the point with the issues okay like you said empowering them to say hey there's a problem here it's okay to say that there's a problem without it being a blame storm right there when and that that's really where we get a lot of that debate it's like okay everybody's pointing fingers at that point it's like forget this all we're doing is just trying to get down to the root cause of the issue and say okay what's the solution for it we don't need we don't care how we got here necessarily we don't care right. who's responsible for it we just need to know okay What's the real problem here? Not what's all the, the stuff, the fluff around it. And what can we do to solve it? Who's going to take over solving it and just move forward? And that's being able to move that way just makes the business that much more agile, much more nimble to be able to move forward. And it really can, because otherwise you just get tied down in all that kind of debate. Yeah. But yeah. Once you, know, you, you go, go yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to say, you mentioned the word agile. Uh, guess that I had on the show a couple of episodes ago. You know, we, we were looking at the, you know, the nature of Scrum. Yeah, and just as a as a methodology for making quick decisions in a timely fashion, so that so that shit gets done. Yeah. It really is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an agile organization. You move quickly, move quickly. Yeah. Which, especially, like you said, with the rapids, things are gonna change. Things you're gonna be nice, smooth sailing for a little while and cross the bend, and oh, here it comes, kind of a thing. It's stuff's gonna happen in business, so you've got to have. The, the foundation, the place, everything in place to be able to handle that because it's nobody gets a free ride, unfortunately. But. Nobody does. And, and the guest I was mentioning was Fabian Schwartz. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to his uh, episode, go back. It's rich with some fascinating information around Agile and Scrum. It's, it's a, it, for an entrepreneur, it, it's, it's a great episode. Yeah, so it, it really is. Because Yeah, it's, that's my background from technology coming forward. It's, it's a technology uh, system or framework, but it really applies directly to business as well, just from a leadership standpoint too. But then, so yeah, we've got vision, people, data, issues. Fifth component over there is just simply process. Like I was talking about before, okay, we're gonna bring this new employee in. Do they know what to do? Do you have documented processes in place to say, okay, this is our way of doing things. This is whether it's, this is our way of going out and reaching a new lead. This is our way of doing manufacturing, our way of handling quality assurance, whatever it is, what is your way as a company and does everybody buy into that? And it's, I get actually a lot of pushback on that one, especially from the creative types because they say, Hey, making all these rigid processes and everything takes all the creativity out. And it really, it's almost one where I have to say, try it and see, because it really does it. It actually elevates the creativity if you do it right. Because what we don't want to do from a process standpoint, everybody thinks about this as, well, it's a big six inch thick SOP manual that honestly nobody's ever gonna read anyways. What you really wanna do is do more of a 2080 approach to say, okay, give me the top 20% of this process, the top 20 key steps that give me 80% of the value. Document those 20% right there. Everybody follows those 20%. And like I was saying, going back to the, the sales model, it really doesn't, if, if the salesperson is reaching the right target market with the right questions and getting the deal done, does it really matter if he's picking up the phone and calling him or he's getting in the car and going and having coffee to talk to him? It's it, at that point, those pieces of the process are really irrelevant. We don't need to sit there and document new salesperson. You have to call 20 people today. It's all we're trying to do is say, okay, high level steps, right yep. message, right prospect, 
right product here, you know exactly what you're doing and close the deal, give you back the creativity to say, okay, your personality, maybe it's better on the phone, your personality, maybe it's better in person, let them have that capability. And you as the owner, you as the visionary again, knows that, hey, everybody's following the high level process, getting to the same result, aiming at the same target here. If they do things a little bit differently based upon their personality, okay, great, yep. go for it. And again, that's kind of how you keep people on the same page. And at the same time, respecting their individuality and their intelligence. You know, yeah. I, you know, I was doing some work with Starbucks. I spent about five and a half for almost six years working with Starbucks at the senior level. And when Howard Schultz you know, retired the first time, uh, they brought in a, a, a fellow uh, from the uh, uh, um, retail grocery se uh, uh, sector, Jim Donald. And it was fascinating because, you know, the first thing that they did with Jim, and they did this and they do this with everybody, is you go, you know, you go into the coffee roasting area. You, you, you go hang out with the baristas for not a day. You know, you know your onboarding is going to be about three and a half to four weeks here, kind of, you know, getting the sense of our process. Yeah. And it's, it's a way to, you know, inculcate the spirit of the organization. And, you know, as you're talking here, I, I'm, the, the spirit of the law and the letter of the law, that's what the process distinction is about. There's a spirit that informs a soul that informs why we do what we do in, in this organization. And then there's the letter of the law. That's the SOPs. Yeah. Uh, like you said, nobody reads the SOPs, but you had better damn well be sure that they understand the spirit of the law. Why, yeah. why did we even develop these to begin with? And that's, that is absolutely fundamental. And, and that gets done in onboarding oftentimes, and then you revisit it. Yeah, it's definitely a revisit, but it's, it's really, it's having that in place to onboard somebody with, because it's, I've been in too much, like I said, too many situations myself where it's like, okay, you, you hire somebody on and kind of dump them in a cubicle and just say, good luck. And it's like, okay. Good luck, sink or swim. Yeah, pretty much. Like, how does that benefit you as a company or them for that matter, either one is like, okay, this is, this is a lose, lose almost all the way around. Whereas yeah. if you can provide them with, again, here's our vision, here's our processes, here's your roles, responsibilities, here's exactly who you need to talk to, et cetera, kind of a thing. It's a much better experience, honestly, for everybody at that point. But yeah, it's, it yeah. really comes down to just from a process standpoint, again, it's, it's just further making that, uh, that focus, that vision as to who we are, how we're going to do things, this just brings it down a little bit more concrete to say, okay, this is our documented way of doing, like I said, whether it's sales, whether it's a product delivery, whether it's service delivery, whatever it is, but still, this is our way of doing things at that 2080 approach where you still yeah. give them that freedom, again, empower them to say, okay, make this your own while you're still doing it, the Acme solutions, whatever way of doing things. Yeah, this is how we do who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, yeah. This is how we do who we are. The what we are, you know, we're going to invent that as we go along. And that, that's open. That's fair game. We'll, we'll, we'll play with that. But the who we are, that's inviolate. You know, that doesn't. Yeah. And it's really, it's even more than that. It empowers them to say, hey, times change kind of a thing. Technology, even five years from now or one year from now kind of a thing is completely different. So if you see a better way to get to this process, if you see a better, more efficient way to do this, bring it to us kind of a thing. This is where your expertise comes in. Show us that, that you have that expertise, that you have that, that you can bring value to us. You're not just a, a robot sitting here punching, punching buttons. It's like, okay, bring, bring the value to the company here. And we, we want that here. That's, that's what we're hiring. Not just to, like I said, somebody that can run a conveyor belt or run a line, bring some ideas, bring some innovation, bring something, a new vision to us. 
Yeah, we build great companies by building great people. We want to build you up to be as good as you could be. And you're going to have to you know, fulfill part of that bargain too. Bring yeah. all of you to this job and, and we'll play with that. What's number six on this one? Number six is <laughs> the name of the book is Traction. It's just saying, okay, it's, it's the way the model, if you ever see the six laid out, it's vision on top, traction on bottom to say, okay, and we talked about this already. Vision's the big elephant in the room. Traction is, okay, what are we going to do in the next 90 days? What are we going to do even to a, a weekly cadence of, of meetings and things like that to say, okay, how do we make this actionable? How do we actually bring this down and say, we're, everybody's focused on the right projects, the right goals, the right things for the next 90 days to reach that longer term vision. And it's really building that cadence, building just that almost muscle memory to say, okay, everything you talked about, the scorecards, the numbers, making sure those are updated, just getting into those habits to say, okay, yes, we're actually moving the business forward rather than what a lot of people end up with once they hit four and five years is just feeling like, okay, we're stuck in the mud or stuck in quicksand. We're not going anywhere. That's where attraction comes in back into play is to say, okay, we've got a plan. We've got the foundation. We're moving forward here. We can't actually gain traction because we're not looking at the big picture and everybody come up with whatever you want to do right now to try to reach that 10 year target. And we never get anywhere. It's, it's we, we bring it that laser focus back down to say, okay, this is what we're doing today. This is what we're doing this month, this quarter to move us forward and bring that traction back into the business there and really help move it forward there. Yeah. That's great. You know, I've loved this conversation because it, you, what we've done here and what you've done with this model is you've taken the complexity of running an organization. And you said, you know, really there's only six moving parts. Yeah. I mean, you know, this isn't an internal combustion engine. This is a, this is an electric motor. It's got six moving parts. <laughs> yeah. Kind of butcher the metaphor here, but yeah, if we keep it simple, actionable and keep it focused on where it needs to be focused. And that's on the for the sake of what and on the people, you know, bringing them in. You, you, you got basically all the ingredients that you need to have to make this thing work as well as it can work. And it really is. Races. Yeah, simplicity is the idea that we're constantly pushing with this. It's like, I, it's a, I think it's an Albert Einstein quote of basically saying, okay, make it only as complex as it absolutely has to be and no more. That yeah. that's unfortunately one of the things, especially as, as the creator, as the inventor type, we love sitting here making things complex. We like building them fancy and everything. It's like, it doesn't need to be. It's just, only as simple as it, only as complex as it has to be kind of a thing. Keep everything, the, the acronym KISS, keep everything simple, stupid. It's just gotta yep. be, everything simple, everything basic makes it so much easier. Honestly, makes you a lot more agile to sit there and turn that, okay, obviously right now in the middle of the pandemic, okay, the businesses that are surviving are the ones that have been able to, to pivot well and to say, hey, okay, the restaurant that, hey, we were only in person. Now we're doing takeout. We're now doing delivery. It's like, okay, you still got your fundamental restaurant model behind it. You still got food preparation, food building, everything there. Now we're just doing a different delivery method. And if you're, you've got that foundation built and can make those changes, because like I said, my, my long-term background was in technology. That changes practically every day, but still quite often kind of a thing. It's like, if you're I, I still work with, with kids doing programming and stuff. And it's like, I, I tell them, okay, forget whatever the language is you're learning how to program right now. That's just syntax. Learn actually the fundamentals of how to program because in all likelihood, the language you're using today will not be the language you use in college, won't be the language you use once you get out in the workplace. So it's, it's having that agility in your mindset applies really at all levels, really. 
you mentioned programming. I started programming with punch cards using Fortran. Yeah. I'm going to date myself a, a lot <laughs> on this one. And, I was a little bit yeah, before then, or a little bit after then, but not much. <laughs> so did not did not want to stub my toe and have my cards scattered everywhere. <laughs> I still hear those horror stories. Yeah, my yeah. dad was. So when we're talking about assembly language, it literally was assembly. You know, you assemble the card deck. <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, it's cool, but it's the the ideas there though that we learn with okay this is process of how you put together a program this is process for even if it's just simple if then kind of logic stuff like that yep. still applies today just a different syntax in a different language and it's exactly. that's what we look at really with eos it's just basic business there, there's nothing fancy about an accountability chart or about a scorecard or about a, a list of issues it's just basic business processes but it's how you put them together how you focus on keeping it simplicity that we don't need all these massive systems in place. What we can do effectively, we've got more high tech versions, but an Excel spreadsheet that's got your scorecard and your numbers that everybody's updating those numbers just so that you've got a clear vision of the, of the business as you're going on. But it's just keeping it simple because we love making it complex. It's simple and usable. If it's simple, yeah. it will be usable. Yeah. Jeff, where can, where can people get a hold of you? Oh, easiest way is just through the website is adventus.com. There is a, a resources tab up there. It's got a bunch of books on it. If you want to actually get a free look at, at traction at the book with all the systems in it. Um, and then just feel free to send me an email with any questions or anything. But yeah, a bunch of resources up on the website and more information there. Okay. And that's adventus, A-D-M-E-N-T-U-S.com. And Jeff's email address is jeff.chastain, C-H-A-S-T-A-I-N at adventus.com. Easy so enough. That, that's real simple. I thank you very much. I mean, this has been a, a lot of fun, you know, great conversation. I think it's been a real rich conversation. And I want to thank you for taking the time to join with me today. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been good. 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 Well, you take care, be safe and healthy, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Likewise. <laughs> okay. This has been Blaine Bartlett. You've been listening to uh, The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. You can find out more about what I'm up to at BlaineBartlett.com. And speaking of what I'm up to, um, I want you to check out um, the latest book that I've got out, The Leadership Mindset Weekly. Uh, you can find out more about that on my uh, website. And also there's a mastermind group, a leadership mastermind group that is associated with that book. You can find out about that at learn.blainebartlett.com gives you a complete overview uh, of, of that mastermind group. I'd love to have somebody join me there that's listening. You're going to find a group of fascinating folks there from around the world that are uh, really invested in uh, enhancing their leadership competency. So BlaineBartlett.com. This is Blaine Bartlett. You've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Take care, be safe, and I'll catch you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.